0: Section 59 of Curiosities of Literature, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. Curiosities of Literature, Volume 2, by Isaac Disraeli the minister duke of buckingham lord admiral lord general etc 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 had the duke of buckingham been blessed with a faithful friend qualified with wisdom and integrity the duke would have committed as few faults and done as transcendent worthy actions as any man in that age in europe such was the opinion of lord clarendon in the prime of life when yet untouched by party feeling he had no cause to plead and no quarrel with truth footnote in the disparity to accompany the parallel of sir henry wotton two exquisite cabinet pictures preserved in the reliquae wottonianae and at least equal to the finest parallels of Plutarch. End of footnote. The portrait of Buckingham by Hume seems to me a character dovetailed into a system adjusted to his plan of lightening the errors of Charles I by participating them among others. This character conceals the more favourable parts of no ordinary man the spirit which was fitted to lead others by its own invincibility and some qualities he possessed of a better nature all the fascination of his character is lost in the general shade cast over it by the niggardly commendation that he possessed some accomplishments of a courtier some indeed and the most pleasing but not all truly for dissimulation and hypocrisy were arts unpractised by this courtier his sweet and attractive manner so favoured by the graces has been described by sir henry wotton who knew him well while clarendon another living witness tells us that he was the most rarely accomplished the court had ever beheld while some that found inconvenience in his nearness intending by some affront to discountenance him perceived he had masked under this gentleness a terrible courage as could safely protect all his sweetnesses the very errors and infirmities of buckingham seem to have started from qualities of a generous nature too devoted a friend and too undisguised an enemy, carrying his loves and his hatreds on his open forehead. Footnote: The singular openness of his character was not statesmanlike. He was one of those whose ungovernable sincerity cannot put all their passions in their pockets. He told the Count Duke Olivares on quitting Spain that he would always cement the friendship between the two nations but with regard to you sir in particular you must not consider me as your friend but must ever expect from me all possible enmity and opposition the cardinal was willing enough says hume to accept what was proffered and on these terms the favourites parted buckingham desirous of accommodating the parties in the nation once tried at the favour of the puritanic party whose head was dr preston master of emmanuel college the duke was his generous patron and dr preston his most servile adulator the more zealous puritans were offended at this intimacy and dr preston in a letter to some of his party observed that it was true that the duke was a vile and profligate fellow but that there was no other way to come at him but by the lowest flattery that it was necessary for the glory of god that such instruments should be made use of and more in this strain some officious hand conveyed this letter to the duke who when dr preston came one morning as usual asked him whether he had ever disobliged him that he should describe him to his party in such black characters the doctor amazed denied the fact on which the duke instantly produced the letter then turned from him never to see him more it is said that from this moment he abandoned the Puritan party and attached himself to Laud. This story was told by Thomas Baker to W. Watton as coming from one well-versed in the secret history of that time. Lansdowne Manuscripts 872 Folio 88 End of footnote Too Careless of Calumny Footnote a well-known tract against the Duke of Buckingham by Dr. George Eglisham, physician to James I, entitled The Forerunner of Revenge, may be found in many of our collections. Gerbier, in his manuscript memoirs, gives a curious account of this political libeller, the model of that class of desperate scribblers. The falseness of his libels, says gerbier he hath since acknowledged though too late during my residence at bruxelles this eglisham desired sir william Chaloner, who then was at liege to bear a letter to me which is still extant he proposed if the king would pardon and receive him into favour again with some competent subsistence that he would recant all that he had said or written to the disadvantage of any in the court of england confessing that he had been urged thereunto by some combustious spirits that for their malicious designs had set him on work buckingham would never notice these and similar libels eglisham flew to holland after he had deposited his political venom in his native country and found a fate which every villainous factionist who offers to recant for a competent subsistence does not always he was found dead assassinated in his walks by a companion yet this political libel with many like it are still authorities george duke of buckingham says aldous will not speedily outstrip dr eglisham's forerunner of revenge End of footnote. to fearless of danger he was in a word a man of sensation acting from impulse scorning indeed prudential views but capable at all times of embracing grand and original ones Compared by the jealousy of faction to the Spenser of Edward the Second and even the Sejanus of Tiberius, he was no enemy to the people, often serious in the best designs, but volatile in the midst. His great error sprung from a sanguine spirit. He was ever, says Watton, greedy of honour and hot upon the public ends, and too confident in the prosperity of beginnings if buckingham was a hero and yet neither general nor admiral a minister and yet no statesman if often the creature of popular admiration he was at length hated by the people if long envied by his equals and betrayed by his own creatures Footnote the misery of prime ministers and favorites is a portion of their fate which has not always been noticed by their biographers one must be conversant with secret history to discover the thorn in their pillow who could have imagined that buckingham possessing the entire affections of his sovereign during his absence had reason to fear being supplanted when his confidential secretary dr mason slept in the same chamber with the duke he would give way at night to those suppressed passions which his unaltered countenance concealed by day in the absence of all other ears and eyes he would break out into the most querulous and impassioned language declaring that never his despatches to diverse princes nor the great business of a fleet of an army of a siege of a treaty of war and peace both on foot together and all of them in his head at a time did not so much break his repose as the idea that some at home home under his majesty of whom he had well deserved were now content to forget him so short-lived is the gratitude observed to an absent favourite who is most likely to fall by the creatures his own hands have made End of a footnote delighting too much in the press and affluence of dependents and suitors who are always the burrs and sometimes the briars of favourites as wotton well describes them if one of his great crimes in the eyes of the people was that his enterprises succeeded not according to their impossible expectation and that it was a still greater that buckingham had been the permanent favourite of two monarchs who had spoilt their child of fortune then may the future inquirer find something of his character which remains to be opened to instruct alike the sovereigns and the people and be worthy to be registered among the great examples of time and fortune contrast the fate of buckingham with that of his great rival richelieu the one winning popularity and losing it once in the commons saluted as their redeemer till at length they resolved that buckingham was the cause of all the evils and dangers to the king and kingdom magnificent open and merciful so forbearing even in his acts of gentle oppression that they were easily evaded and riots and libels were infecting the country till in the popular clamour buckingham was made a political monster and the dagger was planted in the heart of the incautious minister the other statesman unrelenting in his power and grinding in his oppression unblessed with one brother feeling had his dungeons filled and his scaffolds raised and died in safety and glory a cautious tyrant there exists a manuscript memoir of sir balthasar guerrier who was one of those ingenious men whom buckingham delighted to assemble about him for this was one of his characteristics that although the duke himself was not learned yet he never wanted for knowledge too early in life a practical man he had not the leisure to become a contemplative one he supplied this deficiency by perpetually sifting and questioning well the most eminent for their experience and knowledge and lord bacon and the lord keeper williams as well as such as gerbier were admitted into this sort of intimacy we have a curious letter by lord bacon of advice to our minister written at his own request and i have seen a large correspondence with that subtle politician the lord keeper williams who afterwards attempted to supplant him to the same purpose garbier was the painter and architect and at the same time one of the confidential agents of buckingham the friend of rubens the painter with whom he was concerned in this country to open a spanish negotiation and became at length the master of the ceremonies to charles the second in his exile he was an actor in many scenes Gerbier says of himself that he was a minister who had the honour of public employment and may therefore incur censure for declaring some passages of state more overtly than becomes such an one but secrets are secrets but for a time others may be wiser for themselves but it is their silence which makes me right a mystery has always hung over that piece of knight-errantry the romantic journey to madrid where the prime minister and the heir apparent in disguise confided their safety in the hands of our national enemies which excited such popular clamour and indeed anxiety for the prince and the protestant cause a new light is cast over this extraordinary transaction by a secret which the duke imparted to gerbier the project was buckingham's a bright original view but taken far out of the line of precedence it was one of those bold inventions which no common mind could have conceived and none but the spirit of buckingham could have carried on with a splendour and mastery over the persons and events which turned out however as unfavourable as possible the restoration of the imprudent palatine the son-in-law of james I, to the palatinate which that prince had lost by his own indiscretion when he accepted the crown of bohemia although warned of his own incompetency as well as the incapacity of those princes of the empire who might have assisted him against the power of austria and spain seemed however to a great part of our nation necessary to the stability of the protestant interests james the was most bitterly run down at home for his civil pacific measures but the truth is by gerbier's account that james could not depend on one single ally who had all taken fright although some of the germans were willing enough to be subsidized at thirty thousand pounds a month from england this james had not to give and which he had been a fool had he given for though this war for the protestant interests was popular in england it was by no means general among the german princes the prince elector of treves and another prince had treated gerbier coolly and observed that god in these days did not send prophets more to the protestants than to others to fight against nations and to second pretenses which public incendiaries propose to princes to engage them into unnecessary wars with their neighbours france would not go to war and much less the danes the swedes and the hollanders james was calumniated for his timidity and cowardice yet says gerbier king james merited much of his people though ill-requited choosing rather to suffer an eclipse of his personal reputation than to bring into such hazard the reputation and force of his kingdoms in a war of no hopes as a father and a king, from private and from public motives, the restoration of the Palatinate had a double tie on James, and it was always the earnest object of his negotiations. But Spain sent him an amusing and literary ambassador, who kept him in play, year after year, with merry tales and bon mots. FOOTNOTE gerbier gives a curious specimen of grandemar's pleasant sort of impudence when james expressed himself with great warmth on the spaniards under spinola taking the first town in the palatinate under the eyes of our ambassador gondemar with cervantic humour attempted to give a new turn to the discussion for he wished that spinola had taken the whole palatinate at once for then the generosity of my master would be shown in all its luster by restoring it all again to the English ambassador who had witnessed the whole operations. James, however, at this moment was no longer pleased with the inexhaustible humor of his old friend, and set about trying what could be done. End of footnote these negotiations had languished through all the tedium of diplomacy the amusing promises of the courtly gondomar were sure on return of the courier to bring sudden difficulties from the subtle olivarez buckingham meditated by a single blow to strike at the true secret whether the spanish court could be induced to hasten this important object gained over by the proffered alliance with the english crown from the lips of the prince himself the whole scene dazzled with politics chivalry and magnificence it was caught by the high spirit of the youthful prince who clarendon tells us loved adventures and it was indeed an incident which has adorned more than one spanish romance the panic which seized the english fearful of the personal safety of the prince did not prevail with the duke who told gerbier that the prince ran no hazard from the spaniard who well knew that while his sister the fugitive queen of bohemia with a numerous issue was residing in holland the protestant succession to our crown was perfectly secured and it was with this conviction says gerbier that when the count duke olivarez had been persuaded that the prince of wales was meditating a flight from spain buckingham with his accustomed spirit told him that if love had made the prince steal out of his own country yet fear would never make him run out of spain and that he should depart with an equipage as fitted a prince of wales this was no empty vaunt an english fleet was then waiting in a spanish port and the spanish court inviting our prince to the grand escurial attended the departure of charles as hume expresses it with elaborate pomp this attempt of buckingham of which the origin has been so often inquired into and so oppositely viewed entirely failed with the spaniard the catholic league outweighed the protestant at first the spanish court had been as much taken by surprise as the rest of the world all parties seemed at their first interview highly gratified we may rule the world together said the spanish to the english minister they were however not made by nature or state interests to agree at a second interview the lord keeper williams a wily courtier and subtle politician who in the absence of his patron buckingham evidently supplanted him in the favour of his royal master when asked by james whether he thought this knight-errant pilgrimage would be likely to win the spanish lady answered with much political foresight and saw the difficulty if my lord marquis will give honour to the count duke olivarez and remember he is the favourite of spain or if olivarez will show honourable civility to my lord marquis remembering he is the favourite of england the wooing may be prosperous but if my lord marquis should forget where he is and not stoop to olivarez or if olivarez forgetting what guest he hath received with the prince bear himself like a castilian grande to my lord marquis the provocation may cross your majesty's good intentions what olivarez once let out though somewhat in hot blood that in the councils of the king the english match had never been taken into consideration but from the time of the prince of wales arrival at madrid might have been true enough the seven years which had passed in apparent negotiation resembled the scene of a fata morgana an earth painted in the air raised by the delusive arts of gondomar and olivarez as they never designed to realize it it would of course never have been brought into the councils of his spanish majesty buckingham discovered as he told Gerbier, that the infanta by the will of her father philip the third was designed for the emperor's son the catholic for the catholic to cement the venerable system when Buckingham and Charles had now ascertained that the Spanish cabinet could not adopt English and Protestant interests, and Olivarez had convinced himself that Charles would never be a Catholic, all was broken up, and thus a treaty of marriage, which had been slowly reared during a period of seven years, when the flower seemed to take, only contained within itself the seeds of war Footnote: the narrative furnished by buckingham and vouched by the prince to the parliament agrees in the main with what the duke told gerbier it is curious to observe how the narrative seems to have perplexed hume who from some preconceived system condemns buckingham for the falsity of this long narrative as calculated entirely to mislead the parliament he has, however, in the note, T, of this very volume, sufficiently marked the difficulties which hung about the opinion he has given in the text. The curious may find the narrative in Franklin's Annals, page 89, and in Rushworth's Historical Collections, I, 119. It has many entertaining particulars. End of footnote olivarez and richelieu were thorough-paced statesmen in every respect the opposites of the elegant the spirited and the open buckingham the english favourite checked the haughty castilian the favourite of spain and the more than king-like cardinal the favourite of france with the rival spirit of his island proud of her equality with the continent there is a story that the war between england and france was occasioned by the personal disrespect shown by the cardinal duke richelieu to the english duke in the affronting mode of addressing his letters gerbier says the world are in a ridiculous mistake about this circumstance the fact of the letters is true since gerbier was himself the secretary on this occasion it terminated however differently than is known richelieu at least as haughty as buckingham addressed a letter in a moment of caprice in which the word monsieur was level with the first line avoiding the usual space of honour to mark his disrespect buckingham instantly turned on the cardinal his own invention Guerbier, who had written the letter was also its bearer the cardinal started at the first sight never having been addressed with such familiarity and was silent on the following day however the cardinal received gerbier civilly and with many rhetorical expressions respecting the duke i know said he the power and greatness of a high admiral of england the canons of his great ships make way and prescribe law more forcibly than the canons of the church of which i am a member i acknowledge the power of the favourites of great kings and i am content to be a minister of state and the duke's humble servant this was an apology made with all the politesse of a gaul and by a great statesman who had recovered his senses if ever minister of state was threatened by the prognostics of a fatal termination of his life it was buckingham but his own fearlessness disdained to interpret them the following circumstances, collected from manuscript letters of the times, are of this nature. After the sudden and unhappy dissolution of the Parliament, popular terror showed itself in all shapes, and those who did not join in the popular cry were branded with the odious nickname of the Dukelings a short time before the assassination of buckingham when the king after an obstinate resistance had conceded his assent to the petition of right the houses testified their satisfaction perhaps their triumph by their shouts of acclamation they were propagated by the hearers on the outside from one to the other till they reached the city some confused account arrived before the occasion of these rejoicings was generally known suddenly the bells began to ring bonfires were kindled and in an instant all was a scene of public rejoicing but ominous indeed were these rejoicings for the greater part was occasioned by a false rumour that the duke was to be sent to the tower no one inquired about a news which every one wished to hear and so sudden was the joy that a manuscript letter says the old scaffold on tower hill was pulled down and burned by certain unhappy boys who said they would have a new one built for the duke this mistake so rapidly prevailed as to reach even the country which blazed with bonfires to announce the fall of buckingham the shouts on the acquittal of the seven bishops in sixteen eighty eight did not speak in plainer language to the son's ear when after the verdict was given such prodigious acclamations of joy seemed to set the king's authority at defiance it spread itself not only into the city but even to hounslow heath where the soldiers upon the news of it gave up a great shout though the king was then actually at dinner in the camp to the speculators of human nature who find its history written in their libraries how many plain lessons seem to have been lost on the mere politician who is only such in the heat of action about a month before the duke was assassinated occurred the murder by the populace of the man who was called the duke's devil this was a dr lamb a man of infamous character a dealer in magical arts who lived by showing apparitions or selling the favors of the devil and whose chambers were a convenient rendezvous for the curious of both sexes this wretched man who openly exulted in the infamous traffic by which he lived when he was sober, prophesied that he should fall one day by the hands from which he received his death, and it was said he was as positive about his patrons. At the age of eighty, he was torn to pieces in the city, and the city was imprudently heavily fined six thousand pounds. Footnote this was afterwards reduced to the sum of fifteen hundred marks and was collected by an assessment and fine the old account books of the city companies afford many items of the monies thus paid to the general fund the carpenter's company for instance have this entry in their books Paid in January, 1632, for an assessment imposed on our company by reason of the death of Dr. Lamb. V. L. I. End of footnote. For not delivering up those who, in murdering this hoary culprit, were heard to say that they would handle his master worse, and would have minced his flesh, and have had every one a bit of him this is one more instance of the political cannibalism of the mob the fate of dr lamb served for a ballad and the printer and singer were laid in newgate footnote rushworth has preserved a burthen of one of these songs let charles and george do what they can the duke shall die like dr lamb and on the assassination of the duke i find two lines in a manuscript letter the shepherd struck the sheep are fled for want of lamb the wolf is dead there is a scarce tract entitled a brief description of the notorious life of john lamb otherwise called dr lamb with a curious wood-print of the mob pelting him in the street End of footnote buckingham it seems for a moment contemplated his own fate in his wretched creatures more particularly as another omen obtruded itself on his attention for on the very day of dr lamb's murder his own portrait in the council chamber was seen to have fallen out of its frame a circumstance as awful in that age of omens as the portrait that walked from its frame in the castle of Otranto, but perhaps more easily accounted for on the eventful day of dr lamb's being torn to pieces by the mob a circumstance occurred to buckingham somewhat remarkable to show the spirit of the times the king and the duke were in the spring gardens looking on the bowlers the duke put on his hat one wilson a scotchman first kissing the duke's hands snatched it off saying off with your hat before the king buckingham not apt to restrain his quick feelings kicked the scotchman but the king interfering said let him alone george he is either mad or a fool no sir replied the scotchman i am a sober man and if your majesty would give me leave i will tell you that of this man which many know and none dare speak this was as a prognostic an anticipation of the dagger of felton about this time a libel was taken down from a post in Coleman Street by a constable, and carried to the Lord Mayor, who ordered it to be delivered to none but His Majesty. Of this libel, the manuscript letter contains the following particulars. Who rules the kingdom? The king. Who rules the king? The duke. Who rules the duke? The devil. Let the duke look to it, for they intend shortly to use him worse than they did the doctor, and if things be not shortly reformed, they will work a reformation themselves. The only advice the offended king suggested was to set a double watch every night. A watch at a post to prevent a libel being affixed to it was no prevention of libels being written and the fact is libels were now bundled and sent to fairs to be read by those who would venture to read to those who would venture to listen both parties were often sent to prison footnote a series of these poems and songs all remarkable for the strength of their expressions against buckingham were edited by f w fairholt f s a for the percy society and published by them in eighteen fifty here is a specimen from sloane manuscript number eight hundred twenty six of British beasts the buck is king, his game and fame through Europe ring, his home exalted keeps in awe the lesser flocks his will's a law. Our Charlemagne takes much delight in this great beast so fair in sight, with his whole heart affects the same, and loves too well buck king of game when he is chased, then gins the sport when nigh his end who's sorry fort and when he falls the hunter's glad the hounds are fleshed and few are sad end of footnote. it was about this time after the sudden dissolution of the parliament that popular terror showed itself in various shapes and the spirit which then broke out in libels by night was assuredly the same which if these political prognostics had been rightly construed by charles might have saved the eventual scene of blood but neither the king nor his favourite had yet been taught to respect popular feelings buckingham after all was guilty of no heavy political crimes but it was his misfortune to have been a prime minister as clarendon says in a busy querulous forward time when the people were uneasy under pretensions of reformation with some petulant discourses of liberty which their great impostors scattered among them like glasses to multiply their fears it was an age which was preparing for a great contest where both parties committed great faults the favourite did not appear odious to the eyes of the king who knew his better dispositions more intimately than the popular party who were crying him down and charles attributed to individuals and the great impostors the clamours which had been raised but the plurality of offices showered on buckingham rendered him still more odious to the people footnote in the notes to a previous article on buckingham in volume one will be found an account of his offices and emoluments an epitaph made after his murder thus expresses the popular sense of his position this little grave embraces one duke and twenty places End of footnote. had he not been created lord high admiral and general he had never risked his character amidst the opposing elements or before impregnable forts but something more than his own towering spirit or the temerity of vanity must be alleged for his assumption of those opposite military characters footnote there is a picture of buckingham mounted on a charger by the seashore crowded with tritons etc as it reflects none of the graces or beauty of the original and seems the work of some wretched apprentice of rubens perhaps garbier himself these contradictory accompaniments increased the suspicion that the picture could not be the duke's it was not recollected generally that the favourite was both admiral and general and that the duke was at once neptune and mars ruling both sea and land End of footnote a peace of twenty years appears to have rusted the arms of our soldiers and their commanders were destitute of military skill the war with spain was clamoured for and an expedition to cadiz in which the duke was reproached by the people for not taking the command as they supposed from deficient spirit only ended in our undisciplined soldiers under bad commanders getting drunk in the spanish cellars insomuch that not all had the power to run away on this expedition some verses were handed about which probably are now first printed from a manuscript letter of the times a political pasquinade, which shows the utter silliness of this ridiculous muse verses on the expedition to cadiz there was a crow sat on a stone he flew away and there was none there was a man that ran a race when he ran fast he ran apace there was a maid that eat an apple when she eat two she eat a couple there was an ape sat on a tree when he fell down then down fell he there was a fleet that went to spain when it returned it came again another expedition to rochelle under the earl of denby was indeed of a more sober nature for the earl declined to attack the enemy the national honor among the other grievances of the people had been long degraded not indeed by buckingham himself who personally had ever maintained by his high spirit an equality if not a superiority with france and spain it was to win back the public favor by a resolved and public effort that buckingham a second time was willing to pledge his fortune his honour and his life into one daring cast and on the dyke of rochelle to leave his body or to vindicate his aspersed name the garrulous gerbier shall tell his own story which i transcribe from his own handwriting of the mighty preparations and the duke's perfect devotion to the cause for among other rumours he was calumniated as never having been faithful to his engagement with the protestants of rochelle the duke caused me to make certain works according to the same model as those wherewith the prince of parma blew up before antwerp the main dyke and estacado they were so mighty strong and of that quantity of powder and so closely masoned in barks that they might have blown up the half of a town i employed therein of powder stone quarries bombs fireballs chains and iron balls a double proportion to that used by the Duke of Parma according to the description left thereof. Footnote This machine seems noticed in Le Micur Francois 2627 page eight hundred three. End of footnote the duke's intention to succour the rochellers was manifest as was his care to assure them of it he commanded me to write and to convey to them the secret advertisement thereof the last advice i gave them from him contained these words hold out but three weeks and god willing i will be with you either to overcome or to die there the bearer of this received from my hands a hundred jacobuses to carry it with speed and safety the duke had dispersed three score thousand pounds of his money upon the fleet and lost his life ere he could get aboard nothing but death had hindered him or frustrated his design of which i am confident by another very remarkable passage the duke a little before his departure from york house being alone with me in his garden and giving me his last commands for my journey towards italy and spain one mr wigmore a gentleman of his coming to us presented to his lordship a paper said to have come from the prophesying lady davers Footnote. Gerbier, a foreigner scarcely ever writes an english name correctly while his orthography is not always intelligible he means here lady davies an extraordinary character and supposed prophetess this cassandra hit the time in her dark predictions and was more persuaded than ever that she was a prophetess see a remarkable anecdote of her in a preceding article of anagrams end of footnote foretelling that he should end his life that month besides he had received a letter from a very considerable hand persuading him to let some other person be sent on that expedition to command in his place on which occasion the duke made this expression to me guerrier if god please i will go and be the first man who shall set his foot upon the dyke before rochelle to die or do the work whereby the world shall see the reality of our intentions for the relief of that place he had before told me the same in his closet after he had signed certain dispatches of my letters of credence to the duke of lorraine and savoy to whom i was sent to know what diversion they could make in favour of the king in case the peace with spain should not take his majesty spake to me on my going towards my residency at Bruxelles gerbier i do command thee to have a continual care to press the infanta and the spanish ministers there for the restitution of the palatinate for i am obliged in conscience in honour and in maxim of state to stir all the powers of the world rather than to fail to try to the uttermost to compass this business in the week of that expedition the king took george with him in his coach to view the ships at deptford on their departure for rochelle when he said to the duke george there are some that wish both these and thou mightest perish together but care not for them we will both perish together if thou doest a few days before the Duke went on his last expedition, he gave a farewell mask and supper at York House to their Majesties. In the mask the Duke appeared followed by envy, with many open-mouthed dogs, which were to represent the barkings of the people, while next came fame and truth, and the court allegory expressed the King's sentiment and the Duke's sanguine hope thus resolutely engaged in the very cause the people had so much at heart the blood buckingham would have sealed it with was shed by one of the people themselves the enterprise designed to retrieve the national honour long tarnished was prevented and the protestant cause suffered by one who imagined himself to be and was blessed by nearly the whole nation as a patriot such are the effects of the exaggerations of popular delusion i find the following epitaph on buckingham in a manuscript letter of the times its condensed bitterness of spirit gives the popular idea of his unfortunate attempts the duke's epitaph if idle travellers ask who lieth here let the duke's tomb this for inscription bear paint chaos and ray make french and spanish laugh mix england's shame and there's his epitaph before his last fatal expedition among the many libels which abounded i have discovered a manuscript satire entitled rhodo montados Footnote. the correct title is the copy of his grace's most excellent roto montados sent by his servant the lord grimes in answer to the lower house of parliament sixteen twenty eight it is preserved in the Sloan manuscript number eight hundred twenty six british museum and begins thus avaunt you giddy-headed multitude and do your worst of sp- Bite I never sued, To gain your votes, though well I know your ends, To ruin me, my fortune, and my friends. End of footnote. The thoughtless minister is made to exult in his power over the giddy headed multitude buckingham speaks in his own person and we have here preserved those false rumours and those aggravated feelings then floating among the people a curious instance of those heaped-up calumnies which are often so heavily laid on the head of a prime minister no favourite with the people tis not your threats shall take me from the king nor questioning my counsels and commands how with the honour of the state it stands that i lost ray and with such loss of men as scarcely time can e'er repair again shall aught affright me or the care to see the narrow seas from dunkirk clear and free or that you can enforce the king believe i from the pirates a third share receive or that i correspond with foreign states whether the king's foes are confederates to plot the ruin of the king and state as erst you thought of the palatinate or that five hundred thousand pounds doth lie in the venice bank to help spain's majesty or that three hundred thousand more doth rest in dunkirk for the archduchess to contest with england whene'er occasion offers or that by raping i fill up my coffers nor that an office in church state or court is freely given but they must pay me for it. nor shall you ever prove i had a hand in poisoning of the monarch of this land or the like hand by poisoning to intox southampton oxford hamilton lennox nor shall you ever prove by magic charms i wrought the king's affection or his harms nor fear i if ten vitres now were here since i have thrice ten raviliacs as near my power shall be unbounded in each thing if once i use these words i and the king seem wise and cease then to perturb the realm or strive with him that sits and guides the helm i know your reading will inform you soon what creatures they were that barked against the moon i'll give you better counsel as a friend cobblers their latchets ought not to transcend meddle with common matters common wrongs to the house of commons common things belongs leave him the oar that best knows how to row and state to him that best the state doth know if i by industry deep reach or grace am now arrived at this or that great place must i to please your inconsiderate rage, Throw down mine honours, Will not else assuage. Your furious wisdoms, True shall the verse be yet, There's no less wit required To keep than get. Though lamb be dead, I'll stand and you shall see, I'll smile at them That can but bark at me. After Buckingham's death, charles i cherished his memory as warmly as his life advanced his friends and designed to raise a magnificent monument to his memory footnote the duke was buried among the royal personages in henry the Seventh chapel his heart was placed in a monument erected in portsmouth church which greatly in contravention of religious decorum usurped the place of the altarpiece until a few years since when it was very properly removed to one of the side aisles End of footnote. and if any one accused the duke the king always imputed the fault to himself the king said let not the duke's enemies seek to catch at any of his offices for they will find themselves deceived charles called buckingham his martyr and often said the world was much mistaken in the duke's character for it was commonly thought the duke ruled his majesty but it was much the contrary having been his most faithful and obedient servant in all things as the king said he would make sensibly appear to the world indeed after the death of buckingham charles showed himself extremely active in business lord dorchester wrote the death of buckingham causes no changes the king holds in his own hands the total direction leaving the executory part to every man within the compass of his charge this is one proof among many that Charles I was not the puppet king of Buckingham, as modern historians have imagined End of section fifty nine